Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and Mohanad is here. Hello, hello. Hello, my friend. You cleared your schedule. Yes, it's been busy, but it's the uh, end of the season. It's, you know, squeaky bum time. So here we are. Yes, we are not on the beach as much as we might want to be. <laughs> no, no. Some some teams are already, but we're not. That's right. Uh, although a couple of us are, sort of. Uh, Roche, long-standing technical issues. Um, and Bernie decided to have another baby, which is inconvenient. Yeah, inconsiderate, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he knows we have a podcast today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was in the baby due on like May 22nd and came early. Yep. Officially, the last if I, officially it would have been the last day of the season, but decided to uh, come out sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think once United season was done and dusted, Bernie's like, "All right, well, baby can come now." He tried to push it as far as possible, but <laughs> there's, there's no point now, right? Exactly. Anyway, congratulations to him and his wife, and uh, we wish them all the best, and we'll uh, hear from him again very shortly, I'm sure. Um, there has been so much to talk about. Good God. Why don't we start with Liverpool? Because they have had two games in the last, what feels like two days, but there's actually a few. Um, did you see, you saw the um, the Villa-Liverpool game today? I did. Yep, I did. Um, the, it's just like kind of, how do you approach these games, right? Because the, the thing is like, the, the league is not really realistic. Let's mm. put it that way. Especially after the draw. And I'm sure we'll talk about it with Spurs. So with this game, I think rested a couple of players. Obviously, notably Mo Salah was rested. Um, Diego, Diego Jota came in. You know, he played Curtis Jones. He played Naby Keita. Um, again, resting Henderson, who you think would start the FA Cup final on the weekend. Uh, Thiago, who also will start the FA Cup final. So yeah, just a small matter of an FA Cup final coming up in a few days. And then, um, you know, the Champions League final um, after the season's over. But... It's interesting. Um, Timmy Cass also came in for Robertson, who, by mm-hmm. the way, is just unfair. Like he's such a good player. At what eleven yeah. million? Yeah. Just subbing in for the best left back in the world and seamlessly. Greece, like, when's the last time anyone bought anyone from Greece? It's, it's a very like early two thousands move. Yeah, it's just so frustrating how 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 good they've been at at this recruitment thing for the last couple of seasons. Because to come in for Robertson and just trust a substitute left back to come in and do a job. I think he even brought him on versus Spurs to just kind of jig things up and create some Mm -hmm. more energy and stuff. And, you know, that's how good or that's how much Klopp kind of believes in Timikas. And I thought it's just unfair for 11 million that you have a backup for the second best left back in the world who can come in and do a job almost just as good. It's true. I do do think that an element of it is like the team is so good and the foundation is so stable that when you bring these guys in, they look fantastic, which isn't to to do any disservice to Simicast. Like he's clearly good, but if you were to put him, let, let's say Man United bought Simicast, he'd probably look crap mm. because the team doesn't function well. Whereas when everything else, and we we saw that, uh, like as Arsenal fans, we remember in the early days when Arsenal were very good and had all these star players, and would, then they brought kids in, the kids would look great because they're playing with all these veterans. Um, right. I think that's kind of similar. But anyway, yeah, the the scouting that they did was was very good, especially when you consider that like they were going to buy Jamal Lewis. <laughs> well, it's not just the scouting, it's also the selling. I mean, they've they've made some sales that have allowed them 
you know, to to kind of boast about a, a let's say, a reasonable net spend, right? When you're getting the kind of money you get for a Coutinho and then for, you know, all the players that mm. went to Bournemouth and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even just having, you know, a substitute striker, I'd say, what, third substitute striker and someone like Origi that can come in and do a job and get you a goal and give you something different, like... And that's important, especially when you see how many games... I mean, Liverpool are playing the maximum number of games available <laughs> yeah. to a Premier League team this season. Yeah. Which, you know, you got to have a squad to do that. You can't keep playing the same 11 players. They've had good um, luck with injuries. Um, but you also cannot just keep relying on the same starting 11 for whatever is 58 games a season or how many they're going to play. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a squad is very important when it comes to this. I mean, we talked about being on the beach. A lot of teams are pretty much done, just literally chilling, while Liverpool are going to play, what, six or five more absolute cup finals in every I mean, sense literally. of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they have to win every Premier League game now um, to to have a chance, and that probably still won't be enough. Um, then they've got calling. No, they already had the Carling Cup finals. They've got FA Cup final, Champions League final. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, the reason, I mean, the reason it's probably unlikely is that draw versus Spurs on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? Like that was, um, I think <laughs> Spurs did what they needed to do, I guess. Yep. Um, and Klopp and they, was extremely salty about it. Yeah, people are saying, well, you weren't salty when Spurs got points off City in the exact same manner. <laughs> Which is the only reason you're in the title race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I thought, I thought that game again, like they did what they could, but Spurs were just they're they're resilient, obviously playing almost like a five five one or yeah, yeah. five four one. Um and then they you know, they hit you on the counterattack, which is what they want to do. They just want to play on the counterattack. I think start you know, that goal really came from a pretty bad header from Konate to clear it out into the center of the field for no reason instead of kind of out wide or to one of his players and Kane did very well. It kind of just really opened up for him. Trent kind of really walked away from the situation. Everything seemed to open up. And I'm surprised that he didn't take that shot on. And he did make that pass to uh, uh, whatever that left back Sassanil. is. Sassanil. Yeah, I, I was surprised too. Um, it, what was really funny about that goal was that like the ball came out to Emerson Royale, who for some reason was on the left. And then... When he launched it forward, Trent was somehow also on the left. I guess that must have been a set piece just before that because everyone was, was yeah. all out of position. Um, but the, the funny thing about this game was that, like, you could, the story was already written before this game. Like, you knew exactly how this game was going to play out. And even the managers both said so in advance. Like, Klopp was like, their style suits this game, which is going to be a problem for us. But then he didn't really do anything to do anything about that i mean klopp really has for the most part one plan and that's not a criticism really because when you're that good you don't really need another one same as same is true with city right you just expect that your quality will beat the opposition's tactics um but you mentioned origi there and i thought this was like the perfect game to bring on origi because liverpool were really struggling to create anything real in fact they had no big chances i mean even their goal was a was a deflection um and they were just spamming crosses into the box. So it's like, if you're going to do that for the whole second half, you might as well have a bigger striker in the middle. I mean, they brought Jota on, who's brilliant in the air, but why not bring on Origi? Yeah, no, it's a good point. Everybody, kind of the Liverpool fans on Twitter, were hoping for another Origi kind of 
you know, fairy tale story. And and you're right. I think Trent towards well, not towards the end, maybe the last thirty minutes was just spamming, like you said, crosses in, cross after cross after cross, because there was no solutions there. And I think a big part of it as well was that I think both Manny and Salah were having extremely off days. Mm-hmm. Salah in particular. And the focus is on him because he's been having an off couple of months since the AFCON. But Manny as well, the, you know, he's the one that's been carrying them recently and he didn't have a great game. Only, you know, Luis Diaz was having a good game in terms of the energy and the fight and the, you know, the, the attempts and the efforts, but not really from a quality perspective. Correct. Yeah. Um, so the front three were just struggling in general. And I think as time passed and Liverpool realized they need a goal, it's kind of when they started to open up more and more to that counterattack that Spurs really wanted to kind of exploit. Um, the thing is though like Spurs when you look at the points and the math I don't think a point really made a difference to Spurs in what kind of they need to do because it doesn't actually change the dynamic with Arsenal for that fourth spot so I think that's kind of part of what Klopp was saying is like well what do you gain from this point if you're not going to try and get three does that make sense like I obviously yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, you go, you get realistic, and you're like, "Well, we'll take a point versus Liverpool," and that makes sense. But like mm. in the context, it didn't actually change much. Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. I, so what I would say to that is two things, which is one, like it's not as if Spurs didn't go for broke, obviously, because I think losing the game would have been kind of seriously detrimental, if only psychologically, um, for them. But they did have two at least two other very good chances to score a goal especially the the Heuberg header at the end like they absolutely could have won this game um and maybe with a bit more co- quality would have or if that chance fell to Bergwijn instead of Heuberg maybe you're looking at 2-1 um the point doesn't make much difference except i think i i heard that there's a scenario in which it means that Ars- like if spurs win the north london derby which they obviously have to do to stay in with a chance there's a scenario in which like that point means that Arsenal can't then draw one can't of draw the last one of games. The games yeah. um, so it could be it could be important. It, probability says it won't matter very much, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so I mean, we could talk about Arsenal and then get into kind of that top four, that top four fight before we go into the other game. So Arsenal had to then beat Leeds the following day, and mm-hmm. in true Arsenal fashion. It just could not do things the easy way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it was going to be very you know, easy. Yeah, it was a great sunny Sunday. The weather was fantastic. The new Arsenal song was all across the stadium. Arteta has a new deal. Everything looked fantastic. First 10 minutes, Melier Howler and Ketia pressure goal. Yeah. You know, three minutes later, another brilliant play by Martinelli. And Ketia continues his great scoring form. Like five minutes later, they get a red card. I mean, you're tuning a lot. Really couldn't ask for much e- more. Even if, you know the str- the biggest Arsenal fan writing the script here would not have had Arsenal tune up and a red card to Leeds in the first twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, and then from that moment on, Leeds won the game one 0 <laughs> <laughs> It's just like why you know we're, we're sitting there clinging on the ninetieth minute to a missed header by Leeds that could have easily gone in. Like, it's like, it was a why? Big chance. Do- Rodrigo, was huge. yeah. Huge. Like, why do we do this to ourselves? I, I don't know. It was actually bizarre. Like, you would think that Arsenal would have had the wherewithal to just, like, pop it about for a while and, like, gain control of the game, even if they didn't kill it off with another couple of goals, which, again, you would expect, you know, a top four team to do. Just like have some control over the game. Instead, it just got more and more chaotic as it went by. Yeah, but also like you're thinking about you know goal difference, and 
you know, we talked about a scenario where Arsenal can draw, yeah. and that's mainly because of the goal difference to Spurs. So, you know, I'm not saying that we should have scored eight versus Leeds to equal the goal difference, but, you know, three, four more goals was very Anything doable helps. this game. And now, all of a sudden, over the next couple of games, you never know what happens, right? Like, you, you know, you draw with Spurs, or you lose to Spurs, but then you bag a couple against a Newcastle or an every, you know, it could have made a difference, even even if it's just for morale going into the game, but Obviously, nothing comes easy with Arsenal. Um, to be fair, we didn't think we'd be anywhere near a top four fight at the start of the season after losing the first no. three games. No. So, um, it's, and after losing the three games, the kind of the three interim games of the Southampton and what is it? Uh, was it Southampton? Brentford? Like oh, recently, the, oh, the ones the recently, recently. Yeah, uh, like right uh, before Brighton. beating Chelsea, Brighton, and another one right before beating Chelsea and and United. Um, but this sets up, this is exactly what Sky Sports wanted. Oh, yeah. Thursday game, North London Derby at White Hart, well, whatever, White Hart Lane, Tottenham yep. Stadium, whatever they call it. And now it's pretty much winner take. I mean, if Spurs win, it's still not done. But you would think that yep. they would put way too much pressure for Arsenal to beat kind of a Newcastle that is resurgent <sighs> and an Everton that, we're gonna, that are going to be fighting for their lives on the last day of the season. So yeah, I feel like this yeah. might, you know, for now, for the narrative, it's pretty much winner takes all right now. Yes, um, I, I basically think that if, if Arsenal don't lose, it's done. That's where I'm at. Well, Arsenal would just need to too big one, a... Arsenal would need to win one of Newcastle and Everton. Yeah, like, and if you don't do yeah. that, you don't deserve to be the champion. Well, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I, and I was just going to say, it's funny because you mentioned that you know at the start of the season, Arsenal wouldn't have expected to be top four. You could, the same is true of Tottenham. The, the team that would have expected is Manchester United, and they are absolutely horrendous. Yeah, well, what they're satisfying. they are maximum sixth right now is what the best they could do. Um, and what, if West Ham win their game in hand, they're equal <laughs> point. You know, they could easily finish seventh. Yeah. Um, well, that's Conference League, isn't it? Yeah, West Ham have a much so United have a plus one goal difference. I mean, that's yeah, that's not good. And that's entirely reliant on Ronaldo hat-tricks. Yeah, and I mean, it didn't help that they lost 4-0 to Brighton this weekend. I mean, what a shambles. I mean, we talked about on the beach. This isn't even on the beach. This is like in the sea, just like floating <laughs> dead. On a barge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on an oil rig. Yeah. <laughs> like the players have literally downed tools. Well, Shaw, like Luke Shaw definitely downed some. Hey. But yeah, that 4-0 was... I mean, it could have been way more. It could have yep. been significantly uglier for United. Um, yeah. But yeah, you've got play like look, you're talking about being on the beach. Look, Mata's waving at the crowd after every game because it's his last game. Uh, yeah. Matic is doing the same after every game. Like yep. it, it does have that feel of okay, the season is doesn't matter. It's over. Mm-hmm. It only matters because Ronaldo's trying to get top score. Like that's the only person that cares because of its individual stats. After yeah. that, you know, who do you have in that team that's really fighting for anything? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, Bruno, I guess, always puts the passion in, um, you know, and and Maguire and De Gea and and what have you. Although Maguire wasn't playing, but um, oh my God, Varane got rinsed. Oh, Sorry, just, I was just thinking about the centre backs. Like they made Trossard look like Maradona. Were you I ever mean, were you ever convinced of Varane even at Madrid? Because I I I was never, and I'm not saying this like in hindsight. I just was yeah, like yeah. thinking nobody should spend a lot of money on this guy. And it's not about the whole Ramos makes him look good thing. It's not. It's just you watch the games. It's a defender that 
you know, relies on the recovery pace that they have, but they're not, you know, tactical, positional, reliable, building up from the back. Like they're not, you know, he's not that guy. Yeah, well, that that seems that seems clear now. I I can't say that I necessarily saw enough of him to know for sure. Like I said, basically just saw him in the Champions League, and often Real Madrid were doing very well. And they won um, four in a row, and you're like, well, clearly <laughs> this guy must be doing something. Right. Yeah, and he looks good. You know, he's elegant. You know, handsome, etc., which all helps. I, and then Ramos is there. So, like, I, I think he's clearly better than... It, it's kind of like what I was saying with Simakas earlier. Like, he's playing in a functional team. Varane has not played in a functional team all season. He's clearly better than he looks right now. Um, but he's also old. Like, there isn't that much time or room for improvement. Yeah, I also think it's kind of a double-edged sword that United have all this money to give on wages. Because what you end up having is you end up having players that go there, potentially, knowing it's a big payday knowing that they potentially won't win anything but not caring. And then you've yeah. got teams like Liverpool who have a clear weight structure who will really only sign a player, let's say let's say 70% money, 30% that player wants to join the project. Right? Let's not go overboard. Fine. Mm-hmm. United, you've got what? 2% joining the project? What's and you're the just project? Well, now there's a project because yeah. you've got Ten Hag. You can say, like, I'm going for this exciting manager who is famously bad with people uh, but plays good football. Yeah, but no, no, no top, top, top player will care about Ten Hag. Like you, maybe the yeah. youngster coming through that has a potential. Maybe like an, you know, an Inkuku or something. Fine, someone who's yeah. like, "Ooh, I want to work with this guy. He's gonna make us better, whatever." But like a top, top player is gonna be like, "I don't care about Ten Hag." Like I don't. No. You know, I'm not trying to go there and run my ass off. I mean, for Van der Beek, it's literally a lifeboat. This <laughs> is the one thing that might save his career now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the weirdest thing is about United over the last few weeks is that. Top four was on. Like, it was absolutely available to them. They weren't out of the race until really very recently. And they just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, it's also like when I look at the type of... Like, again, it's a double-edged sword with all that money. Is that the type of player you sign, I don't think works without a top-name manager. Like, you know... Okay, let's take Mourinho and Ten Hag. Mm. We know the pros and cons and blah, blah, blah. And we've mm-hmm. seen exactly what happened. I still think a Mourinho fits a United a lot more than a Ten Hag because I don't see United doing the long-term thing. I don't see, you know, I see them signing players on £400,000 a week. That doesn't work with a Ten Hag. It works with an Ancelotti. It works with a Mourinho. It works with a whatever. But I just, you you get into the cycle of signing world star players who are potentially over the hump, but they want to come for the money and it's United and blah, blah, blah. And then they end up, you know, playing for a manager like Ole or Ten Hag or you know, whoever this guy that's here right now, whatever, you know, it's not big names and it just doesn't seem to mesh. There isn't that kind of balance between the type of signings and the managers you want to do. Like you almost want a project with superstars. Yeah, no, no, I, I take your point. And, and I, but I think what they've done with this hire and with the changes to backroom staff and, and, you know, executive personnel and stuff, it hints at a change in, in idea. So they've, they've hired a project manager they're going to have to give him time and patience and like the players that will work for his system. And, you know, as you said, Matic is going, I, Bernie listed off like a, about eight players last week that are out the door. Um, you'd hope for their sake that Ronaldo is one of them because he just ruins the whole thing. So like it, it's the start of something new. We just have to see whether they'll actually give it a chance. Basically. Well, yeah. And, and the project manager can't keep signing. Well, can't keep basically adding play, players to his team that are bigger than him 
that are stronger yeah. than him, that are more influential than him, you know, any project that will fail. So will United go out and sign the little gems that Ten Hag thinks is, are running around? Or are they going to go and try and sign, you know, major names that are obviously not a fit in any other club? Because no one is going to come to this United project if they're playing well for a Madrid or a, or a PSG or a whoever, right? So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. I mean, I mean Mata's a great case there. Like, Mata was Chelsea player of the season two years in a row. Absolute beasting the Premier League. It made sense. Everything made sense. And then he just fell off the face of the earth at United. United like, ruined his career. Moyes brought him in, played him on the right. Like, it's just horrible. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Chelsea? One, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to go to City because we were talking about massive signings. Uh, Haaland. Brought Haaland. Erling brought Haaland. Uh, he's received a software upgrade. <laughs> now be playing for Manchester City. Uh, I mean, we kind of knew this was talk this about was fit. Happening. Talk about fit, right? I mean, yeah. is it going to fit? I don't know. Can he literally fit on the screen? <laughs> well, so who who said it recently? Was it Evra that came out and said, you know, Pep doesn't want big egos and big characters on his team because he wants to be that guy. Whether you agree or not, like at the end of the day, Holland is going to potentially be that guy. Could be. Um, that he, he looks like he has a little bit of that ego, that like you know, a um, little bit of that Lukaku Ibrahimovic in him. I say Lukaku because Ibrahimovic could back it up for most of his career, you know. Mm. But if you have that Lukaku and you and you play the way he's playing, <laughs> and if that happens at City, you know, I wonder how that fit is going to be. I wonder if if Pep can change how they play to have that focal point um, player there in Holland. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think we might see a slightly different Haaland. Like, he went into Dortmund as a, what, 19, 20-year-old and was immediately one of the veterans because <laughs> yeah. Dortmund are all children. Whereas he comes into the city dressing room and he's surrounded by, like, older world-class players. The thing is, though, that he also comes in as the second or joint best-paid player they have on, like, 350, 375 a week, which is what De Bruyne gets. To me, that's kind of insane. Like, I understand that this but is the think deal. About it. There's no big characters there. Who's going to get upset? De Bruyne, Other than De Bruyne. But sure. But see, that, that kind of... Well, Diaz does a lot of shouting. Yeah, but like, as in, you can't see a player there. Like, you can name like five at United, if he had joined United at those wages. But at City, you're like, what? Is Mars going to be like, I'm upset about this? No. Sterling? No. no. Like, nobody other than really De Bruyne, who isn't even potentially that type of player. Like, De Bruyne is like a half player that might do that. But I can't... There's like nobody else is going to knock a Pep's door and be like, this is unacceptable. Like, there's no Salah. There isn't a Pogba. There isn't a Ronaldo. There, you know what I mean? Like, I just... I don't yeah. see it being a problem. I really don't. Yeah, maybe not financially. Maybe not financially. I'm not sure. I, I mean, as I kind of said this earlier, but like, if I was De Bruyne having just signed a new deal, I'd be a bit pissed off. Not for the money, but for what this says. Which is like, De Bruyne is a world-class player one of the best players in the world for the last, you know, best part of the decade. He's won all sorts of things. And Haaland is a child, like a very, you know, very good, very talented child. One of the, you know, most promising players, but he hasn't actually done anything yet beyond score some goals in Austria and Germany. Okay. But he's on the same money. But what is, okay. But is, is 375,000 pounds a week more valuable when you look at it given to a 32 year old? compared to giving it to a 20-year-old, you know, enigma best no. striker in the world. So, like, you know, KDB is also getting that money at 32 in the twilight of his career. I mean, there is that, right? No, I, from, from a, like, an objective, like, almost moneyball 
perspective, from the club's perspective, yeah, I agree with you. Right. From from De Bruyne's perspective and from like a morale and like a, I don't know, maybe he won't give a shit. I don't know. It just feels, it feels unfair. Like he's earned it is my point. Whereas Haaland hasn't really done right. much yet. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But I think at a different club, it would create a lot more issues than at City. Yeah. And the types of players that City have right now. Um, it's almost, again, it's almost such a collective effort at City other than maybe De Bruyne a little bit, that it just feels like nobody would have that confidence to step out and say, well, whoa, 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 it's <laughs> me. It's all me, right? Even De Bruyne can't really say it's 100% me either, right? right? So, you know, someone like Foden, I mean, he's on nothing. He might, he might be like, okay, I yeah, mean... He's like, I grew up with this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I get you didn't sign me and I'm coming through the academy, but like, what's my next contract going to be? You know, is Foden mm-hmm. going to be happy with 2, 220, 240 when, when uh, KD... Because again, Foden is a future there as well. Same yeah. age profile, same talent profile, you know, proven himself in the Premier League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that might be the one that in the next couple of years kind of strikes a little bit of an issue with the wage bill. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, someone was saying the other day that like homegrown players tend to get shafted salary-wise mm. because the club sort of relies on their loyalty and they've been around and they don't view them as like this shiny well, new thing. you're not signing them, thing. right? When yeah. you sign them, you got to throw money at them exactly. and be like, come to City. But when you're coming through the academy, you're like, well, you're here. Like, sure, you might go somewhere else, but at the end of the day, like, you're already here, right? Yeah. That conversation is much more simple than when I'm trying to sign you and prize you away. Yeah. Um, exactly. If that 19-year-old that Dortmund signed to replace Holland within like 62 minutes of that announcement turns out to be any good, it's going to be so frustrating. Like, here's a question: Can mm. clubs just outsource Dortmund scouting? Because look, Dortmund can't buy all the good youngsters. No. So I'm sure they'd be happy to make some money and recommend youngsters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, I mean, yeah, they, they don't really have ambitions to win anything. So just turn yeah. yourself into a massive scouting network, like I, a consulting I, scouter. Yeah, we'll take some. You guys take the rest. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I, so the guy's name is Eddie Yemi. Um, he they got him from Salzburg. I Salzburg, think. I think. So. so the same route that they got Haaland from. Um, he looks wicked. Man United did try to buy him apparently in in January, but he'd already agreed to to go. Oh, to is it, is this part of the list that? Uh, yeah, what's yeah, his yeah. name? Came out and said everybody said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean Dortmund. So Dortmund signed him. They've signed um, a young defender called Schlotterbeck, who's supposed to be really good. And they signed Niklas Sula from Bayern, which oh, yeah, is a yeah. bit of a surprise. That's a pretty good transfer window already. Um, but what's kind of funny is that they really only... So they got roughly like 50 million or so for Haaland in the end. Like really not that much. And they signed Adeyemi for like 38. They really didn't make that much money off Haaland. Well, it's a, it's a horrendous release clause, which is why when Madrid are signing um, Rudiger, they put a 400 million release clause. <laughs> You're thinking, you know, in the past, people used to laugh at Madrid and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You put these, you know, Barca put 200 million on like Pedri's contract and stuff. And you're like, this is insane. But Mate. you never know. I mean, it happened with Neymar. No, right? listen, Barcelona have started to do a billion. Because yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. having Neymar burn them, man. It's a billion for everyone. They're like, you never it's know hilarious. when Newcastle are going to pay for anybody. But yeah. also, you know, speaking of, of the Bundesliga in Kunku, I mean, what mm-hmm. are these numbers? I mean, Ridiculous. I, the thing is, I mean, to be fair, you know who you have to give credit to, right? Unai. Of course. Yeah. Unai Emery wanted them at Arsenal. We all <laughs> made fun of him. We all laughed at him. Um, he also wanted, what's his name? Um, the Argentinian midfielder. Benega. 
Benega, who looked unbelievable for a couple of seasons after that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to be fair, he's, yeah, he, he's maybe got a little bit of an eye there. He um, does, yeah. And but Kunku, what, 30, Unai, yeah. Um, what, 30-something goals and 12, 13 assists? And they're like, I, I mean, is it the next burner or what's going to, you know, uh, we'll see. Joke. Yeah. I, is it, he's also one of the, like, million talented players that PSG just let go. Like, they had all these guys and they just let them all go. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. They're just idiots. Um, speaking of people that, I mean, not let go, but maybe halfway there on loan. Chelsea. Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> um, crazy game on the weekend as well. 2 0 up to Wolves. Yep. Relatively cruising. Um, and then, yeah, they just did their thing. I mean, again, Chelsea are another team that are not playing for anything other than, like, in the league. I mean, they should well, they still come now. third, but... I mean, they should still come third. I mean, I'm looking at it here. They're... Who do they have left? <laughs> well, actually, oh my god, they're only a point ahead of Arsenal. Yeah, this is my point. Like, you know, I, I said a few weeks ago that I didn't think it was possible that, that, that you know, yeah. Arsenal or, or Spurs would catch them, but, like, they could now. So well, Chelsea they're only have... four points away from fifth spot, so it's not impossible in the last three games that something insane happened. Well, also because, like, so Chelsea have leads tomorrow away, and then they've got the FA Cup final, and then they've got Leicester. Now, Wait, Leicester they, play, crap, they play on but... a Wednesday, and then the FA Cup final on the weekend? That's not cool. Yeah, and it's not ideal. Um, especially because Liverpool had an oh, extra, yeah. Oh, yeah. extra yeah. day's rest. But like... Yeah, and then Chelsea have Watford on the final day. So they'll beat Watford on the final day for sure. Yeah, Leicester so... at home, you'd think, would be a victory, but like their form has been so bad. It leads away... They might rest players in the build-up to the FA Cup final. Like, you know, it's it's not impossible at this point. It's not. It's not. They they were cruising in that third spot, and now not so much. Um, but yeah, two two there again, losing more points. They've lost points recently as well in games that they should have won. Um, Alonso got subbed off at halftime, apparently for a spat with Tuchel at the dressing room. Whatever, he's leaving anyway. So I know, but I mean. You gotta play him in the FA Cup final. Like they <laughs> rely on him so much. That's true. Uh, Lukaku with a brace, though. Lukaku, <laughs> yeah. Did you see him? Like, I did not think Lukaku was this arrogant slash self-centered. I really didn't. What do you, what do you mean? Just across the season, watching his mannerisms, his body language, you know, the way he's he tried to be that guy at the start, even when he was playing well. Mm. Um, kind of like, oh, you know, get on my shoulders. I'm that guy. And then when it started to go bad. His attitude kind of dropped. He gained weight, and then <laughs> now you know after he scored the two goals, he got you know he got subbed off, and they scored the equalizer on the bench. He's like, you know, he's like throwing arms up in there, like almost like you know I did my bit. Yeah, you yeah. guys messed it up. Like there seems to be a lot more ego. Like even even in his interview, you, know, you saw that interview. Like the ego was mm. oozing out of the script. Mm. Like it was insane. Like I did not realize. He was he had that in him. I thought he was a lot more down to earth. Um but yeah. yeah, it was hilarious just to see them come back after his after he thought, you know, he was gonna save the day and the narrative completely shifted. Yeah, just the the end of season kind of renaissance. But yeah, I mean we'll see. I, like we kind of talked about it last week, but it's really impossible to know what kind of side Chelsea will be next season. You know, new owners came in. Actually, it was really fun watching the new owners like celebrate and then and then see their team fall apart. It's like, yep, this is the reality of football, Bowley. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the Chelsea women though are doing well. They won yeah, the always. what second second league in a row. I think something like that. I think Arsenal came second last final day of the season. It was tight. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean Chelsea are obviously just focusing on the cup final for now. I mean if they come out with an FA Cup, I think they'll take it this season. Um, it's been it's been up and down. It would be, and I you know I'm sorry Chelsea fans, but it would be very funny if Chelsea were to lose the FA Cup final and finish fifth. Well, it would also be funny if Liverpool ended with nothing but the Carling Cup. That would also be very funny. Yeah. So there's yeah, a lot of funnies potential. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty possible. Only because like Chelsea are in terrible form, but Tuchel, and, Tuchel loves a cup final. Also, like, Liverpool look jam. tired. They look tired. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah they yeah. look tired. I mean, the, oh. the asthma medication must be running thin at this point. <laughs> also, I have to say, you know, the whole like Van Dyke stuff and he, you know, the vibes and how he defends it with his like aura and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every week, though, there's an extra dossier, you know, there's an extra example. <laughs> like, honestly, it's started to become ridiculous how players, you look at a player go one on one and you're like, okay, you're going to clearly cut in and do this. And they just. Do something that they would just never do. They seem to overthink it when Van Dijk is standing there. Like today yeah. versus Villa, it happened over and over and over. I think even against Spurs, like they just overthink it. Like yeah. players see him and go, "Well, I better do something completely unexpected," and they obviously mess it up. <laughs> he is absolutely in their heads. It's like the player equivalent of Guardiola in a Champions League semi-final. <laughs> like we have to overcomplicate it. I've actually noticed this has started happening with. Um, uh, Christian Romero as well because you know how he like clatters into people oh, immediately yeah. like oh, the yeah. he's super aggressive <laughs> and so I think there was a game it was the Villa game a few weeks ago and he'd done it to Watkins a few times and then Watkins received the ball back to goal and he thought Romero was there and he just <laughs> kicked it out of play <laughs> he was terrified he is he is very aggressive uh, like extremely oh, yeah. aggressive to the point where it's like he could just nick it off you but he doesn't enjoy that he wants to take you out, take the ball out, do it all. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great fun. Yeah. Well, sticking at the top of the table before we go to the bottom, uh, City did their job. They beat Newcastle comfortably 5 0. Smashed um, them. The last, last podcast included the City Real Madrid game, correct? Yeah. Okay. Shame. Yeah. That, was, that was a big miss. That was fun. Um, but yeah, they did their part. Again, resting quite a few players. Grealish played, which is you know, a sign of the end of the world. <laughs> Sterling played. Um, Jesus has been playing. He played as yep. well. Um, <clears throat> Foden came on, scored his goal. You know, they did a very professional job against the Newcastle team, to be fair, who have been a bit of a, a thorn to, to, a few, uh, to a few teams. Zinsenko's playing left back, obviously, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've also pretty much, you know, obviously they've got the league to play for, but their next two games I don't think are that challenging, if I'm not mistaken no i think that's right I, I think it would be a massive surprise if they were to blow it from this yep. position i i thought New, newcastle was interesting gimmarish said afterwards that like the fans didn't deserve this and like we'll you know aim to do better and i was like you got battered by city away mm-hmm. like sure you know newcastle were pretty bad but like <laughs> i don't know that the fans need an apology mm-hmm. no i agree um looking at the bottom everton I mean, the Big most result. unlikely of wins when you watch the game. Like, it just, I mean, Pickford, to be fair to him, for the last three weeks has been Superman. Yeah. He has saved them an unbelievable number of times. Um, Pickford, Iwobi stepped up. 
um, Mikolenko has been good lately and, and scored a fucking brilliant volley in this game. Yeah, yeah. They. Uh... The question is, why did they play Leicester like within four games? They played him twice in the league. Very weird. But I everything... assume COVID rescheduled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything did step up recently. I mean, beating United 1-0. Bigford, mm-hmm. good in that game too. Beating Chelsea 1-0. Um, I mean, these are all not points that were, you know, when Lampard looks at the at the fixtures, they were not points that he would have expected to get. That's true. Um, well, you've also dropped points in games that you would have thought. Oh, well, sure, okay. sure. But at the bottom, that's what happens. But usually yeah. the other way doesn't happen. Um, and now, you know, when you look at the bottom of the table and you look at kind of the, the, <clears throat> the teams that, I mean, Leeds, I mean, as right good chances any to go down. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the fixtures, Leeds have to play Chelsea, Brighton, and Brentford. None of those are winnable for Leeds, I don't think, with the form they're in, with the injuries they have. Then you look at Burnley, they play Spurs, Villa, and Newcastle, also very tough games. Mm-hmm. Everton have Watford, Brentford, and Crystal Palace, and Arsenal. I would say... None, none of them are particularly easy. I mean, Watford, you'll, you'll win. So Sorry, let's go through Everton's game. So Watford? Yep. Who's next? Brentford. It's a kind of a toss-up. You're not really sure what you get mm-hmm. from Brentford. Crystal Although Palace. They, yeah, Palace should be on the beach, but they're also pushing for, like, top half. So who knows? Yeah, and then Arsenal on the last day of the season. Arsenal last day. So, yeah, it's really tough to call. But they it's have an really extra game. They have an extra game. So yeah, at least against it's Arsenal. Or, or, well, or anybody. Against yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, speaking of the beach, I just remembered what I saw. Um, what's his name? Watford manager. Um, Hodgson. Hodgson has been on the beach. Like, he's he's been on the beach as his team is getting relegated. Yeah. Just comfortable. Just like, why are you guys stressing? Why are you stressing right now? Like, just it's all good. Yeah, we got relegated. They're not gonna walk over and, and clap the fans. I'm not gonna be here next season. Like, let me just get back to my to my well, you know to my room. Well, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, Watford hired him in a situation in which survival would have been pretty miraculous. <laughs> so, like. He's done pretty much what you'd expect. And Watford, uh, you know, they've gone up and down and up and down and up and down. They're, they're used to it. They're fine. Oh, yeah. And up. speaking of up and down, Fulham are back up. And Bournemouth, right? And Bournemouth. I mean, yo- the definition of yo-yo clubs, Norwich City also, the definition of Norwich clubs. It's just like, you've got these four clubs down there that just take the parachute yep. money, go down, play well. Smash the championship. Yeah. Have a striker that scores 45 goals in the league. You know, <laughs> comes up, can barely kick a ball in the Premier League, etc. Yeah. Solanke and Mitrovic. Yeah. They're in a league of their own. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, at least Solanke worked for Bournemouth as opposed to like Ibe or eBay or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a uh, massive win for Everton, uh, especially after the... Um, the meaner mistake that allowed Daka to score, which was, was a classic of the genre. Were you surprised that Daka didn't square that? A little bit, actually. Yeah, a little bit. But he's a he's a goal he's a goal scorer. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Uh, what else happened? West Ham smashed Norwich. West Ham, like, it's been a weird ending to the season. Like, they they've dipped a bit, presumably because of the Europa League. Then they finally got out of the Europa League, um, which was a massive shame for them, really. Um, well, especially that's against Frankfurt. It's a very winnable. It's a very yeah. winnable tie. They had a horrendous. What was it? A two weeks where they lost to Frankfurt twice and Arsenal in the middle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not a good week. But no. again, kind of the big teams. You know, the top teams that play in these kind of situations. They know there's always that week or two where the entire season hinges on, and you mm-hmm. just have to you have to step up 
in those two weeks because there's no point of doing everything and then losing the you know whatever the european tie is knockout and then the yeah. game in the middle etc etc and then you're pretty much your season's done in a week right yeah this is this is kind of what i why i get amused by fans who like think their club should win something hmm. it's like it's really bloody hard like for example we were talking about how liverpool could could end up with only a carling cup like they've been almost perfect this season but ultimately it's going to come down to a few games and if they don't win those that all they get is a carling cup yeah, they've been and, almost perfect. Yeah, and it's a few games in May where you've got injuries, you're tired, you know, yeah. the smaller teams don't have the kind of squad depth to keep pushing across all these competitions. You know, the biggest thing that happens to teams that push in the league one season to get into Europa League and then the next season they just don't have the squad for it. Yeah. You just no, end up super thin and, and, and exhausted by come May. Yeah, frankly, if I were so Burnley were in that position. Like Burnley got into the Europa League a few years ago and it just completely screwed them up. And I was just like, on the one hand, I understand like this is an adventure for you, you know. This is this is a new thing. The fans are probably enjoying going to like Bratislava or whatever. But like, catch up with the brethren. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but like you know that this is going to completely derail your season. So maybe just put the kids out. Yeah, but but Bernie, if Bernie was here, he would tell you what is our season coming? You know, thirteenth. Like, what is yeah. it going to derail exactly? Coming, <laughs> is there a set of 12 will come 16th? Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Um, nothing really happening in Europe because it's all kind of been wrapped up, right? Like, Madrid won the league. PSG yeah. won the league. I mean, Messi so, won so the league. That I mean, the that, last... That's definitely what happened there. Yeah. The last kick of, this, last kick of the game. So yeah. that's that. Um, um, yeah, Serie A is the last one, really, of the... Uh, the big five that's still going, Milan and Inter. I mean, Inter are out of it by now, aren't they? They're only two points behind, aren't they? Didn't they just Hang lose on. like twice in the last week? They just drew and Milan. Yeah, still only two points. It, it felt like they'd lost a lot recently. Like every time we talk, Inter have lost. Or maybe it's been cup. I, it can be cups there in the cup final. It doesn't make sense. But yeah. it just felt like maybe they let they let things slip, even though, though they're only two points behind. But it sounds like they were ahead by because they lost two games recently, didn't they? Like if I look yeah, at they, it. they haven't been in great form. It is true. Well, here, here's um, the result. They they lost to Bologna. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's the only one recently. Maybe I don't know why it felt interesting. Well, they have a they have a really good chance to kind of come back on top because so Milan have Atalanta at home uh, on the fifteenth. Um, Atalanta have not been nowhere near as good as they have done in previous seasons. This season they're like mid table, but still a tough game. Inter have Cagliari away, which means they will probably win, but they will absolutely get racially abused. Um, <laughs> and then on the last day of the season, you've got Sassuolo at home to Milan. Sassuolo is not an easy win. And Inter are at home to Sampdoria. So the, the last two games really kind of favor Inter if they can get their act together. Yeah, there's also the Coppa Italia final tomorrow. I think is it's the being, final. Is that in Saudi? Yeah, Juve Inter. Cool. Uh, actually, no, it's in Rome. Stadio oh. oh, how retro. How retro. I think PSG are in Saudi. Is For what? Well, I don't know. Are they in the... They're not in the cup. I mean, P- sorry. Messi's in Saudi, which I assume he's going with PSG. For but... what? What cup? Well, they're out of the cup, aren't they? We're talking about Italy, though. No, no, no. What are you talking about? No, no, no. After I said, yes, the Italian cup finals in Rome, I said, yeah. but I just saw that Messi landed in Saudi. Is the French... Oh, oh, sorry. But, but I don't think they. I don't think. I think PSG are out of the French Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah. But yeah, maybe he's just going there for a holiday. 
Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, a payday, yeah. But not a holiday. Oh, yes! No, that you're right. He's being an ambassador or something, isn't he? Oh, yeah? Is that what's happening? Yeah, hang on. We've got to find this, because I think there might be a story here. Messi, ambassador, Saudi, uh, has been officially unveiled as a brand ambassador for the Saudi Tourism Authority. Well, that's a Newcastle si- signing coming up. Good God. Like, does he really need the money? Yeah. <laughs> well, it just it, that's how it works with, with super rich people. They always need more money. Yeah. It doesn't work with like, you know, our logic of, isn't that enough, man? Like, no, it's not. Because life is expensive for them. Even though they have all that money, life is still expensive when, you know, their upkeep is like 250000 a week. <laughs> they need yeah. money. Um, yeah. But speaking of, oh, now I'm going to wow. lose my thought. Oh, let's have a quick, uh, quick Ballon d'Or chat. I know you love it. Go on. So thoughts on this? Do you have like a top two, top three? I mean, people talk Benzema, Salah, Mane. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of who else, really. Um, so realistically, it's going to come down to... So the Champions League final is going to have a massive, massive part to play, right? I don't so... think Mane should be part of this conversation, just because he's had a good last couple of months. Uh, well, look, the problem is he won the African Cup of Nations. He won the African Cup of Nations. If he then goes and wins the Champions League and or the league, like... He's been a center, like he's literally been a central figure. He's he's started to play up front, you know, central striker in the in the second half of the season. I, I think he's. It'll feel like such how many a goals less than Salah does he have? How many more or less? How I many don't know. less? I don't know. Yeah, but then okay, then you have Salah, who potentially ends the season as Premier League top scorer, Premier League top assister, Champions League winner, you know, Afcon finalist down to the last penalty. Like you know, there. I would be as, and again, it might be a little bit biased because of the whole Egyptian thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as Salah, I would be really kind of hard done by, especially that I feel like Salah over the last four years deserves a Ballon d'Or in there somewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of sometimes how we're like Modric, right? Yeah, yeah. Modric was like, okay, well, you've been unbelievable for four years. Let's give you this one, and even though yeah. you might have a much better season before, you know. Benzema, yes, he's going to have his best season ever, so I see that. But like with Salah, I just feel over the last four years, there was one in there somewhere. I, I don't disagree. Um, I'm just not sure this is the one necessarily. But then again, if, if, he, you know, if he smashes a couple in in the Champions League final, it all looks very different. I know it shouldn't just come down to this game, but you know how this works. Like, it does. Like when Ronaldo did those three goals for Portugal in the yeah. qualifiers versus Sweden or whatever, when like they extended the voting by a week and you know, he won the thing based on a game. Like it happens. <laughs> I, I honestly think they'll give it to Benzema. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. For the, I, for the, think, I think for, for, for the culture, they're going to give it for to the, Yeah. I mean, the drip video is going to be unbelievable if he wins the Ballon d'Or. Like he's won, he's won La Liga. He's really stepped up. He's, he's been a leader of the team. I don't know if they take that kind of thing into consideration, but and really, Real Madrid shouldn't be in the Champions League final. Like they're there because he yeah. keeps scoring these massive goals. And I think, I think Benzema, it would be more than a Ballon d'Or. It would also be like an almost like a end of service trophy of like, okay, yeah. well, this is for the last nine years. Yeah, like, lifetime achievement. And, and this one for the win. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. it just feels like it would be a lifetime achievement kind of Ballon d'Or as opposed to like, well, sure, he's still done it this season, especially if they win yeah. the Champions League final. So, but like, it feels a lot more like it has other stuff. It's, it's the whole vibe and the whole feel. Right. Yes, it's a culmination of events. Yeah. It feels like so. I, I think that seems most likely. I don't know who else. Who else would be involved? Wait, when do they announce this? Announce what the winner? Yeah, I feel like, and again, I feel like I'm making this up. November. 
Because maybe if that's the case, wouldn't they postpone it? Because the the World Cup ends like the oh, second week yeah, of December. Oh yeah, the World Cup will matter too. So wouldn't you just put the Ballon d'Or back a few weeks and then you've got the World Cup to take into account as well? Oh no, no, for sure it's after the World Cup. Okay. I'm saying no, like oh, I see what you mean. This is a Winter World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Um, that's a very good point because like you give the Ballon d'Or like in the quarterfinals of the World Cup feels weird. <laughs> like there's three more games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if France go on to do something as well, I mean that pretty much. Yeah. Or I mean, if Alfonso Davies takes Canada to the sure. to the quarters or something, sure, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's a very good point. Like, do you push the Ballon d'Or as well to take into account the World Cup, uh, or do you almost well. do it, or do you do it before and take it into account for the next one? I, it, it, World Cup almost feels like it should be the end of that season, not the start of a season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, FIFA, FIFA keep looking for these little modernizations and reforms. Maybe they'll add a second Ballon Ballon's d'Or. <laughs> a winter one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. speaking of reforms i think uh, i'm sure you agree the no away goals rule has done wonders for the number of goals in this champions league i mean i don't know how i just don't feel like it's so directly correlated but yeah. it's like causation and correlation and all that you know whatever that that saying is it just feels like a yeah. bit of like one plus one equals three but if you were like oh well this change happened we scored a lot of goals therefore yeah. it's fantastic and i get it there's like you know less defending a, you know when you're home because you don't want the opposition to score an away goal and stuff and there is some merit to it i'm just not 100 percent convinced it's like completely related but no. hey if it does something it does something yeah i'm not convinced either because like the last few years we've had all sorts of crazy results in the champions league like there was the the Spurs Man Spurs City, City, which was like five yeah. four. There was Roma, uh, Barcelona, the all the Barcelona remontadas and all that. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, the PSG, the Liverpool. Like, there's yeah. been all sorts of massive. Bayern Madrids, you've had. Yeah, some. like yeah. the high scoring results. So, yeah, I'm not convinced at all. But regardless of the effect, I like the idea of it doesn't matter where you score a goal. You go and you just try and score more goals over two legs. Yeah, because. <laughs> Like, That's all the stadiums football. are now similar. All the quality of the pitches, all the this, all the that. Fans are, you know, yeah, fans are great and everything. But, you know, they're turning into these Instagram people holding phones anyway. So it's like it doesn't <laughs> really matter where Instagram you're playing. People. It's just like it doesn't matter where you're playing anymore. It's right? true. Like, it's just, yeah. It's so. true. I can't think of, I suppose maybe you could argue, like, Anfield genuinely played. The first minute and the last the minute. The first minute and the last minute, yeah. yeah. You know, um, that might help. You know, they're shouting at your buses. Well, you sure, in. it's going to help. It helps you win that game. Great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know, but no, I think I think it's a it's a reasonable change. Um, how how do you feel as a as a FIFA player? You probably don't play very much these days, but um, you saw the news that FIFA mm. is decoupling itself from EA, and now they're well, both going to have games, <laughs> and EA are going to have to change the name of their game, obviously. Well, yeah, I wonder these people who play FIFA religiously, are they kind of, are they coupled to the game engine that mm. would come from EA Sports because they love the gameplay and less so I don't, you know, or is it going to be more, wait, I need all the names and the haircuts and the players and the stuff, you know what I mean? Like, it'll be interesting. I think the more hardcore players potentially are more coupled with EA Sports game and engine. And then the less hardcore players would be a lot more with, well, I want my team and I want these players and I want to have fun. The question is, though, it's not easy creating a very realistic game, especially when it comes to sports. It's really hard. Like, I don't see how FIFA just start from scratch and join. You know, it's not going to be a random develop, like a a software game dude, but like, it'll be hard. 
FIFA, if they produce their own game, it's going to be tragic. Like, yes, absolutely tragic. Yeah. There is no one at FIFA that knows the first thing about, <laughs> about creating a video game. Well, they're going to use, like, a, a well-known studio. They're going to go to... Sure. I don't know. Not the only one. Naughty Dog. Yeah, they're not going to go to the dudes that make uh, The Last of Us. No, but, that but like, EA make all the good sports games. I well, mean, that's the I thing. personally prefer... Always preferred Pro Evolution, but they well, shot well, themselves in the foot. Well, maybe FIFA come back now with their tails between their legs to Pro Evo and go, look, <laughs> let's do something. Konami. To be fair, to be fair, yeah. I would say a lot of the casuals, the casual players, would love for a Pro Evo resurgence. Oh yeah, it just like FIFA, like like EA Sports killed Pro Evo because of the the, the FIFA stuff, because of the yeah. names and the countries the and the flags. So if that goes to Pro Evo, I'm telling you. I haven't bought a FIFA game in a couple of years. Like, I play the old yeah. one, whatever. I will buy a Pro Evo game because it's a lot more arcade. And it's that's what fun. I want. It's just more fun. Yeah. Always always was. It'll be interesting. I, my, my favorite was running down the pitch with um, Samuel Eto'o. And the commentator would just go, Eto'o? <laughs> Eto'o? <laughs> yeah. Eto'o! <laughs> For as long as you had the ball. Well, that's the budget they had. The commentary. <laughs> Um, yeah, Roberto stuff. Carlos Adriano played oh, two mate. up front. Like, you, like I would, I remember putting R nine on the bench because just R- Roberto Carlos and Adriano had unbelievable shot power <laughs> and stuff. And it's just kind of... from sixty yards. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Roy yeah. Costa. Like, it just oh, there's a couple a of game. players where well, Pro Evo knew these are legends. Make them better than they actually are in real life and enjoy. Yep. You know, have yep. fun. Like, I don't care about how realistically Rio Costa has no physical attributes. I don't care, <laughs> mate. Like, have, have him run around. <laughs> it's so true. I, I mean, you could probably do this on FIFA. I don't know these days. But I also really enjoyed the bit where you could create your own player and you could make them either like a midget yeah. or an absolute giant. Yeah, 99 it so much everything. Fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's just going to be Holland next season anyway so i mean you don't need to create your own player in a couple of yeah. seasons holland's going to be unplayable on whatever platform it is so that's true uh speaking of which fpl next season holland yes no i was thinking about that mm. i would so i would go towards no because i didn't put ronaldo and i feel like it would be the same logic in the sense that it's just so much money yeah mm. i mean i i you gotta pick. You can't have Ronaldo and Salah and this and De Bruyne. And you gotta pick two or three approximately, or maybe even one recently because things are getting very expensive. So who's your one? You know, is it if it's not if it's Haaland, it's probably not Salah or Ronaldo or De Bruyne. Maybe maybe De Bruyne. You know, you're not gonna pick De Bruyne and Haaland. I mean, maybe people just bang on one team, but can I fit Salah and De, and De Bruyne? Probably people are gonna go Salah, Haaland, and then just litter the rest with anything. I was I was gonna say you could do you could do like. A cheap keeper, Trent, Salah, Haaland, and then everyone else has to be a peasant. <laughs> yeah, like Trent, four point five Robert Robert are clock. Important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what wins you. That's really you know, it's those guys that you get right win you a lot of points that are not the top guys that because ev- everybody else has Salah too. So no matter how well Salah does, it doesn't yeah. change anything. No. <laughs> It'll yeah. be interesting, but Holland will be very expensive. I doubt it'll be as expensive as like Kane and Ronaldo, though. I doubt it'll start. I that think high. it will be. You think? Yeah, I think it'll be twelve to thirteen straight off the bat. 
Well, the thing is this. I'm, I'm a pessimist, right? So I see Haaland's starting of the season as he plays three games, he doesn't score, or maybe scores one, bungles it in. People start talking about how he doesn't fit the city style. Him and Pep have issues. Like, I'm just seeing all this happen. We started talking about that. What? We already started talking about that. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> you're just waiting for it. Like, you're almost, you're trying to manifest what you think is already going to happen. And I just yeah. feel like people are going to want that narrative regardless of how well he plays they just want that narrative so it's gonna happen no matter what he does it's still gonna be like well yeah he's scoring three goals a game but our city (laughs) playing worse than last year you know (laughs) yeah are they getting the best out of Grealish yet yeah yeah exactly exactly um it'll be funny anyways yeah we will see we will see we'll see one thing I know is that it won't make an ounce of difference to how we do in FPL no it'll still do badly I mean, this season I'm doing okay at ninth. No, yeah. not you, not you across the entire bit, FPL. But... But I was like third at some point, and then everybody triple captain Salah when I didn't, and I <laughs> went into ninth. So. Yeah, well, live and learn. Think about yeah. what you've done. I know, I know. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. 100, thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.